Friends, would you open with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3? We're going to look at Philippians 3 verses 20 and 21. We, of course, gathered here on Friday night, on Good Friday, for our service. And it was a very somber service. My six-year-old daughter, she said, when I came here and saw that there were no snacks, I realized it was going to be a very serious service. (laughs) So I guess our food out front is communicating more theology than I ever knew was possible. But it was a somber time. We observed that Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. And John opened up Philippians chapter 2, the chapter before ours, and he spoke of a God who is like Jesus. And today we're going to see from Philippians 3, a Jesus who unites us to this same God. So hear with me from God's word, Philippians 3 verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Let's pray together. Jesus, if you have power to subject everything to yourself, then we ask this morning that you would subject our hearts and our minds to yourself. I pray that in these few moments we would listen with our ears and with our hearts to hear what you have for us and that you would change us and transform us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to give you guys a heads up because we are going to get very metaphysical very quickly here. We're going to talk about some dense things because Paul, to set up this passage, he understands that there are two realms. There is the realm of earth and there is the realm of heaven, and we need to understand that to understand what he's saying here in this passage. Heaven and earth, two realities, two realms. Now, these two things aren't locations in the traditional sense, right? You cannot travel from the one to the other. You couldn't jump in a spaceship and get from earth to heaven because it's not a location in that sense. It's another dimension. It's another reality that we don't have access to. If you're confused about that, have no fear. The disciples were confused about that because Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he said to his disciples, where I'm going, you can't come. And Peter said, why not, Jesus? We'll follow you anywhere you go. But Peter did not understand what Jesus was saying. I'm going to a different dimension, a place that you can't possibly follow. There's heaven and there's earth and there's a veil between us. Now, earth, of course, is this dimension. It's everything that we see right now. It's what we feel. It's what we taste. It's what we touch. Heaven is God's dimension where he dwells perfectly. It is not far away. You could almost think about heaven as overlaying earth like a blanket. It is very near to us. God, he dwells in all perfection in heaven, but he is here with us right now. He sees us. He observes us. He knows what's in our minds and our hearts even now. It's not a far away place, but it's a place in which God can view us from heaven to earth, and we cannot turn around and see or hear God from earth to heaven. Now, there are a couple of exceptions to that. We read in the Bible a couple of scenes where this veil is pulled apart for a moment and there's a glimpse from earth to heaven. That happens in a couple of places. One of those is Matthew 17. That's, of course, where Jesus, he grabs Peter, James, and John, his closest disciples. They go up on a mountain together and all of a sudden, Jesus is transfigured before them. He's bright, he's shining like the sun, and he appears as he will appear in heaven, but he's on earth with the disciples. 
Moses and Elijah, they step out of the realm of heaven into the realm of earth. And even though Peter, James, and John, they didn't travel anywhere, nor did Moses or Elijah descend out of outer space, they step from the reality of heaven into the reality of earth. And they're there, and they have a glimpse of heaven. There's another scene that is similar, and it's very dramatic, in Acts chapter 7. Where Stephen, he's anointed as one of the very first deacons of the church, and he goes out to begin preaching the gospel on a street corner, and the people are offended by that, and they charge him, and they grab him, and they begin to stone Stephen to death. And as Stephen realizes that he is dying, he looks, I don't know if he looks up or over, but he sees this curtain part, and he says, behold, I see the veil into heaven, and I see Jesus, he is standing at God's right hand. Now Stephen, at that very moment, his feet were planted on this street corner in Jerusalem, but the veil was parted, and he had access from earth to look into heaven. This is wild to think about these two dimensions that are so near to each other. It's wild to think about these two realities existing side by side, Because even here, even now, even with God in our presence, God dwells perfectly in heaven. At this very moment, God is on his throne. At this very moment, there is thunder and there is lightning. There are torches of fire and there is a sea of glass that is before him on his throne. At this very moment, Jesus is at God's right hand. Jesus is shining like the sun brilliantly, and the Spirit is with them. It is one God in three persons. At this very moment, as we sit here, those whom we have loved, who have departed, they've died trusting in Jesus, they are now gathered into that scene in heaven, because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. At this very moment, Jesus is making preparations. He's making preparations for housing and for feasting. He's going to prepare a place for us in his father's house with many rooms. And he is setting a banquet table that we will come and join him to feast at. He told his disciples the night he died and he gave them their first taste of the Lord's Supper communion. The next time I drink wine with you, it's going to be in the new heavens and the new earth. At This very moment, angels and creatures and elders and loved ones, they are gathered before this great throne scene and they are crying out to God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Wherever you are, stop for a moment and listen. We can't hear it. We can't hear that scene. It is so near to us, but it is in a dimension that is not our own, and even though that is happening right now, we don't have access to it. Heaven is glorious. It's beautiful. It's without sin or suffering or tears or heartache. It is the place we are made for to dwell with God and to be reminded that we are so close to it, but so far away is hard to take. This dimension of heaven, this dwelling place of God is the thing we most desire and the thing that we in and of ourselves cannot possibly attain. Think about this. Think about this veil between earth and heaven and our inability to access it. 
There are no resources. There is no pedigree. There's no amount of money or gifting or physical appearance. There are no good intentions or wishful thinking that can get us from earth to heaven to God's perfect dwelling place. In a culture, an American culture, where we pride ourselves in ingenuity and a can-do-it spirit, this is one place where we stop short and we say, I cannot do this. I cannot break the veil from earth to heaven where God dwells in perfection. I think early on in the life of every pastor, you realize that the place you really have people's attention is at a funeral, right? That's the place where people really get to the edge of their seat and they listen carefully to what's being said. You don't get that kind of attention anywhere else. You don't get that kind of attention at a wedding. Nobody cares about the preacher and his 10-minute homily. They just want to see the couple get married and be announced in marriage. Nobody gives you that kind of attention when you sit down to lunch because if they want to be known, they're going to be known. If they don't want to be known, they're not going to be known. You don't get that kind of attention here on Sunday morning when we're all gathered. It's kind of a 50-50 shot with people because it depends whether you had breakfast or you fought with your loved one on the way over or if a chair is going to break in the sanctuary. It all depends on whether you're going to be able to give your attention to what's being said, but that's Not what happens at a funeral, right? Because all of us realize, whether we're a believer or not, that we've come to the edge, to a precipice, to the place where our reality is joined with another one, where a loved one has passed through this veil, and they're in a place that we don't have any access to at all. My prayer this morning is that as we study this passage, it will have that kind of effect on us. Whether we are a believer and we've trusted in Jesus recently or a long time ago, or we are not a Christian or don't understand what that even means, I pray that Philippians 3 would bring us to the edge of these realities and make us wonder about what it means to participate in the reality of heaven. Listen again to the very few first lines of our passage. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. There's just two points to understand. Easter, what we're celebrating, Easter tells us how Jesus got to heaven with a new body. And the gospel is an invitation to tell us how we might join Jesus with a new body. Easter tells us how Jesus got to heaven with a new body. We read in 1 Corinthians 15, we heard it in the call to worship. Paul says at the very beginning of that passage, I want to tell you the things that are most important for you to understand, and that is this, that Jesus lived, that he died, that he was buried, that he rose again from the dead, and that he was seen by many witnesses. Many, many people saw Jesus who had risen from the dead. Well, Hebrews 9, it picks up the chronology and it says, For Christ has entered into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. After his resurrection, he comes into heaven and Philippians 3, our passage says, He now dwells there in a glorious body. His body can be recognized. We're actually going to see Jesus in some measure as he appeared to his disciples on earth because his disciples are able to recognize the form of Jesus and who he was, but he dwells there with a glorious body. That's the story of Easter, that Jesus has died, he's risen from the dead, and he now dwells in heaven with a glorious body. The gospel is the good news of how we join Jesus also with a new body. 
That's the gospel. That's the announcement of good news to us to say that it is an invitation to respond to the story of Easter. Because what Jesus does in his death and his resurrection and his ascension is done on our behalf. It's done based on the love of the Father for us and what he sent his son Jesus to do. All of these elements are from the Father to us as believers. Jesus died and was buried to absorb the penalty of sin. That means God in his wrath and his anger for what we do placed that anger and judgment on his son Jesus in his death and not on us. Jesus rose from the dead to break the consequence of sin and that is death itself. When you go home and you put in the new CPC worship album, the very first song, the evening hymn, will have this line, teach me to fear my grave as little as my bed. What a line. Can you imagine living in a world in which the sting of death is gone and we no longer fear eternal death because Jesus has removed the consequence of sin in his life? Finally, Jesus ascends into heaven to secure this eternal life with God. We said that heaven, this dwelling place with God, is the thing we most desire, and yet the thing we cannot possibly in and of ourselves attain. And that was true until Jesus passed through the veil from earth to heaven. When Jesus does this, he provides a way for us to to be secured with him in his dwelling place. Jesus accomplishes that. That means that any of us, it doesn't matter who we are, if we are a living, breathing human being, regardless of our past, regardless of our history, regardless of our sin, regardless of our present circumstances, regardless of our addictions, regardless of our striving and our striving to do this on our own, if any of us will come to the end of ourselves and say, I cannot possibly reach heaven, but Jesus has done this for me, He receives us in himself and he saves us and he promises that we will dwell with him forever. If we will do that, if we have done that, if we will do that, if we'll respond to the story of Easter, if we will accept this kind of good news of the gospel, all of a sudden you get a bunch of activity between earth and heaven and heaven and earth. Very briefly, from our passage, I want to point out the triple movement that begins to pass between this veil. Number one, as Christians, verse 20, it says that our citizenship is in heaven. Now, when we first trust in Jesus, when we believe in him for our salvation, our feet, they stay planted on this earth, right? We're still living here. We're still breathing this air. But all of a sudden, something dramatic happens. Our citizenship, which was here on earth, is now lodged into heaven, and we have a brand new identity. Many of you guys know that our family adopted two boys, two brothers, this past year. It's been a wonderful experience for our family, and we've been thrilled with it. And even though it's been legalized, it was only this past week that we got something in the mail. It was their birth certificates, their new pristine birth certificates that have written on them that their birth parents are David and Julie Gentino. 
Now think about this scene. It's a Tuesday morning in the life of our two boys who are now ages three and four. This was like any Tuesday morning. They had their routines, they had their schedule, they had their tantrums. It was a normal Tuesday morning. But all of a sudden, something drops in our mailbox that provides a tectonic shift in the eyes of the law. As far as anybody is concerned, these boys are as good for better or for worse lodged in the Gentino family forever. It's a tremendous shift. That is what happens to us, believer, when we trust in Christ. We painted this dramatic scene of heaven that we don't have access to. God on the throne and there's fire and there's thunder and there's lightning and there's a sea and there's a crowd and they're shouting, holy, holy, holy. But there's another thing that is in heaven and that is the book of life, Philippians 4 says. And when we trust in Christ, our names are also lodged in heaven. There's something else that's there, and it's your name, and it's my name, and it's written in this place. What we do on earth is animated by a reality that we are citizens of another place. Our citizenship is in heaven. You're not in heaven right now, but if you trust in Jesus, your name has passed through that veil, and it is in heaven. Number two, if that's true, And our names are in heaven, verse 20. We eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship was on earth, but now it's passed through the veil to heaven where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. But now all of a sudden we read that there is a moment when Jesus is going to come again. He's going to pass back through the veil and he's going to come from heaven to earth. That's the second coming of Jesus. He's come once to do the cross. Now he's going to come again to bring final judgment. That means that in a single moment... And I tell you, any moment, this may occur before you and I get to sit down today and cut into our honey-glazed ham, Jesus is going to come again. There's going to be this deafening trumpet-like noise. The sky is going to appear to burn away like fire. The dead are going to be raised, and Jesus is going to stand before us to separate the sheep from the goats forever and ever. And I tell you that you, if you are in Christ and your name is written in that book, that is a glorious, glorious day. And if you are not and you have been running from Jesus, that is a terrifying day to see him appear. We as believers, we long for the coming of Jesus because we know third and finally verse 21 that we in Christ will get new bodies. Our citizenship is in heaven, Jesus reappears on earth, and then heaven and earth are drawn together once and for all in the new heavens and the new earth. And according to Revelation 21, God makes his dwelling place with men. When that happens, and when Jesus is ready to receive us once and for all into his kingdom as it will be, the new heavens and the new earth, we will get transformed bodies that can bear the eternal weight of living with God forever. We've got bodies right now. We're using bodies right now, but these bodies ain't ready for that. In fact, these bodies aren't ready for a lot of things here on earth even. They are not ready to bear the eternal weight of glory of what it means to stand in a new heavens and a new earth and worship God forever. And because of that, 
as Jesus has been transformed to a glorious body, he will take what he describes, no euphemism intended, your lowly body, and he will make it glorious like his body that you can worship him forever. I'll tell you right now, there's a veil between heaven and earth. There is activity in heaven that's happening right now. There's worship that we long to participate in, but the veil stands before us and we don't get to see that. We don't get to hear that from where we stand, but that changes in Easter. Jesus has passed through the veil from earth to heaven. He has offered to lodge our identities and our names there that if we will trust in him, he will return back through the veil to draw us to the new heavens and the new earth in which we will worship him in a new body forever and ever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, you say you're coming like a thief in the night. I don't know if you're coming before the final worship song is done or you're coming a year from now or you're coming a millennia from now. But Father, I pray that we would be sure that our names are written in the book of life. If we don't know what that means, I pray that we would ask somebody, what does it mean to have our citizenship in heaven? And if it is there and we have trusted in you, I pray that you would make us long for the day in which you will come again. Do that in our midst, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.